players gather to cast powerful spells, some of the oldest and most powerful in the history of Magic the Gathering. Days, Wasteland, True Name Nemesis, and many others. Battling head-to-head -head in brutal combat, they have all one thing in common, to uphold their legacy and search for eternal glory. The Eternal Glory Podcast is sponsored by Cardboard Live and TheEpicStorm.com. YouTube, it's the squad back at it again. My name is Anurag Das, and I'm joined with Brian Cook and Wilson Hunter for episode 16 of the Eternal Glory podcast. What's up, guys? I've missed you. It's been a while. It has been a while. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's been like I'm checking my watch right now. Uh, like a month almost. Um, we did take a little break. I uh, had some stuff going on, some work that needed to be done, and you know. At the end of the day, we're like, we can't actually record this, and forcing a podcast episode is never the best idea. It is actually, in fact, a very bad idea, because you're just out of your element. We know you guys wouldn't have enjoyed the episode. Wilson, how are you doing? I'm good. I just have to say that I sit on my computer every single night just hoping that you guys will call me up and want to record a podcast. So, to be honest, this is the best night that I've had in the past three weeks, and I really appreciate you all being here. Yeah. So I'm going to start off by saying something just blatant out there. Um, we're doing something different this episode. So I'm actually live streaming this episode today, and I'm excited for this because this is where we get some of the uh, the uh, I, oh, damn it. We missed out on this, but we get some of the the chat participation to sort of, you know, it, it's it's a four person episode for the first time ever. It's it's me, Wilson, Bryant and Twitch chat. That's awesome. Right. So. Uh, today, I, I'm really excited. We're going to get, um, you know, just the mind of some of our viewers in here. Uh, so we're going to try and make it as that's that's our goal. We need to remember that there are people who are not in the chat right now and we need to make it so that they're going to be able to also follow along and things like that. So, Phil, I'm going to let you do the movie magic after to make all this sound like seamless and stuff like that. Um, that's at Force of Phil, by the way. He's the editor for the podcast. In case you were wondering where all the donations go. Wait, does he even know what we're doing tonight? Oh, God, no. I think we're just going to have to, like, <laughs> drop this on him and be like, what's up, Phil? This is how it's going down. And, uh, you know, uh, but it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, do we want to start with the quick hits? Yeah, we'll start with the quick hits. Um, donations. We're going to say thank you to Henrik. Oh, God, I don't know. I'm so sorry, Henrik. I don't know how to say your last name, but. Korkuk. Korkuk. Okay. Henrik Korkuk, thank you so much. And then also, thank you to Epoxy Solutions for the $50 donation. That's what's up. If you ever need Epoxy, well, I imagine they have some solutions for you. Uh, hashtag shill. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know if we are allowed to do this, um, if it's against our... I think our sponsors might back out. Ooh, damn. Well, it would be a shame. But yeah, I mean, we're going to dive right into it. So you guys can't actually see the show notes. So I'm, gonna, I'm looking at it right now. First item on the docket, we have... LPL stuff going on, and no, that is not the LOL Pro League. That is uh, the Legacy Premier League. Feels like one of us is actually in this event, and then the other is producing the event, and the third is uh, Bryant. So, uh, no, just jokes aside, uh, Bryant, you actually played 
uh, wasn't this week, but last week. Yes. Group B, whatever, ago, the second week. Yeah, I decided to play Humans, and I hadn't played the deck at all on Magic Online, and it definitely showed. I misclicked through a Vile Trigger that I needed to stay on three, and a couple other things. I named the wrong card with uh, Cavern of Souls. I just played really sloppy. I was pretty ashamed. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's that's the, like, the one thing about Humans that I... That's the only thing that I know, is that... The only, like, non-human in the deck is, like, Deputy of Detention. It's, like, a Vidalcan wizard or something like that. Yeah, it certainly came back to bite me in the buns. Yeah. Um, what did you name, Cavern? Human. <laughs> well, I thought you said you named something incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah, I was supposed to name Vidalcan wizard. Oh. It was, like, the second one, I bet. So he had, like, we had, like, Cavern, uh, one land, and then, like, another Cavern or, like, an unclaimed territory or something. So, yeah. Um, so then what ended up happening that week? Like, how did you finish in your group? I went one, two to go into the loser's bracket for the first time Oof. ever for legacy premier league. Oof. Uh, that's sad, I guess. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I feel bad. Uh, but you know, if you want some, some positive mental energy, Jarvis actually got knocked into the loser's bracket very early on in the last season and then rallied back up in the finals. So you're basically a lock at this point. Yeah, probably. Uh, I need to figure out what I'm going to play in the uh, the losers bracket first round or whenever I play next. But I plan on not playing Storm at all. I want to play non Storm and kind of just hope that people keep on respecting it. And maybe at some point I'll pop it in, but I'm not even sure if I want to do that. Yeah, let's see how many of the LPL uh, competitors listen to our podcast. They'll get a little bit of a heads up. But yeah, what made you pick humans? That's kind of interesting. I was uh, expecting Caleb and uh, Vincent to both play Chalice decks, mm-hmm. and I put Michael Bonday on playing Delver. Whoa. That is and interesting. I was right on two of the three. Okay. Bonday doesn't really play Delver. He, I've seen him play, like, Death and Taxes a bunch, and then I've seen him also play uh, Four Color a bunch. Um, he's but... a skill wizard. Oh. I thought that he might try to next level. What is it? What uh, is that I... What is that dance he's got? The Bonday dance? You know what I mean? Where he just, like, rolls onto the PT stage? Exactly. Arms of Blaze and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I got no updates. Uh, oh, wait, actually, that's, that's not a lie. That, that's that not the truth at all. I have a bunch of updates. So I actually, uh, for LPL stuff, I flew to DC for work, and I lugged basically, like, an entire production setup with me and did it all from the hotel room. So I feel like that's, like, a benchmark in terms of, like, production level and stuff like that. Um uh, Abe is saying, by the way, that you're like next next level. That you're saying that you're not going to play Storm here, but then you're actually going to play Storm the next time. So it's, that is not true. That's that's the power of having range. You get to play anything, and no one will ever be able to like Jarvis picked Dredge for week one. I did not see that coming. Um, but yeah, so for me, LPL that was that was pretty much it. You know, it's been it's been very interesting. Like I'm super nervous doing it, but I think it's progressively getting better. I mean, the week in DC was kind of a shit show, but that's because like stuff happened that i wasn't expecting like the client it's a really weird bug i'm not going to get into it but yeah wilson what's been going on with you yeah so this past weekend i had a viewing party with many of my longtime magic friends of the mythic championship um they used cardboard live for it and so i needed to be present watching it in addition to just enjoying watching it and so we got an airbnb we hung out we watched the MC, and we also cubed all weekend while we were watching that. So that was pretty sweet. So we got uh, four cube drafts done. Two of them were team drafts, which was really fun. 
And it was cool just hanging out with a, a lot of friends that I've had for 12 or more years through Magic. And, uh, you know, even my good buddy Kai, who was a, a groomsman at my wedding a while back, flew up from Florida. He hasn't played in a long time. And so it was cool to bring him together with the Bravermans uh, as well as some other people. And we, we all met in North Carolina. So, yeah, very, very fun weekend. I just moved into this new office here, which is pretty cool. We have a couple of pinball machines. Uh, just a, a fun place to be. We have some chats about my lack of hair. I wonder how many times we'll get that tonight here in the chat. Um, I have a question for you, Wilson. Yeah. I have a more important question, and it's an ethical one. Whoa, ethical question. On. Ethical question, hold Wilson. On. How often yeah. do you shave your head? Chat is dying to know. I shaved it today. I would say maybe once every five days. And it's really like one of the best feelings in the world to have the hot towel and the the nice smooth shaving cream and the the feel of the blade against my scalp i just really enjoy it do you do it yourself no i go to a, a barber shop and have a guy named simon who cuts Ooh. my hair every time all right brian you can go ahead you had a you had a question i'm sure it was important definitely not as important rude as... motherfucker <laughs> uh, wilson how come anurag and i weren't invited well now that you know anurag was invited but how come i wasn't invited to your mythic championship uh cube party I don't know. You guys sort of bash Cube all the time, and I'm a little bit self-conscious about sharing my Cube experience with haters. Ooh. Hey, man, all I'm saying is uh, next time you go out somewhere, just bring your Cube. Bring your Cube. How would big you is guys, your Cube Would you guys actually Cube with me? Yeah, sure. Of course I would. I have drafted more in the last three weeks than I think either of you have in the last two years. Wait, what have you been drafting? Eldrain. I love this limited format. Really? Okay. Yeah. There's absolutely no way that you've drafted more in the last three weeks than I've drafted in two years. No. Well, there's absolutely no way you haven't drafted more than I have because I've basically done nothing. (laughs) Congrats. I'd be willing to make that bet. Really? I've done a hundred drafts of of Ether Revolt and the probably the following four sets. I would like evidence. Yeah, I, 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 I promise. I promise you. Oh, so we're going to pinky swear? Yeah, I'll <laughs> and pinky that's, swear. Hey, that's, that's like basically like law and order, right? Okay, I get that. Um, that's kind of cool. So I guess you're actually on call the whole time during the Mythic Invitational. The Mythic yes. Championship, I'm sorry. No, is it is it the Invitational? The cha- I don't... All these names, dude. It's they, a mythic, mythic Championship, yeah. Mythic Championship, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so you were on call the whole time. Were there any like... Did everything go smoothly? Like, were there any like issues on your end? Like, what was the scariest moment? No, I think I think it went pretty well. It's mostly just like being present um, at this point, just to to make sure everything's fine, and and it went pretty well. So, um, the the paper magic mythic, mythic championships used some image recognition that we've created. It was used in the last one, so I think that 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 involves a little bit more nervousness on my end to be testing that and making sure that that's working correctly, um, but. Yeah, I think it was good. So it was one of those things where I figured it would go fine, and uh, just being present for it is is something that we've committed to do uh, for Wizards. That makes sense. Brian, do you have anything before we get into the feedback that we got from our last episode as long ago as it was? Yeah, so uh, week one of Legacy Premier League, I was actually supposed to do commentary, and uh, this is the second time I got my face in the introduction of this uh, podcast episode. But my internet sort of shorted out, and I was booted while on stream. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really weird because this was you. Phil Gallagher flicker whisked me into exile, and I did not come back. Uh, so 
I looked into solutions for fixing my internet because I moved my upstairs office slightly and now I'm slightly farther away from the router and I was getting really poor connection. I was getting about 15 up and 20 down. So I bought a 100 foot ethernet cord, plugged it into my router, ran upstairs. Kid you not, I was getting 125 up and like 120 down. And it's a pretty drastic difference. So what I've decided to do, and I actually completed the project, I'm towards the end of it now, is I am running the ethernet up into my attic down the central wall in my home because there's no, uh, I don't even know what to call them, but when you have uh, open up a wall, there's usually uh, panels that go sideways. And this uh, part of the wall has none that go sideways. They're only vertical. So it runs down the entire center of the house into the basement, up to my family room and into the router. And then I just had to patch up four small holes. So I finished that. Uh, but I'm not super happy with how the uh, the patching came out. You could tell in a couple places where the spackle is, and I think I need to do a better job sanding. So my question for you guys is, and I doubt Anurag's ever done it, but I could be wrong. Uh, maybe we should ask the chat. Is hand sanding or electric? I did hand sanding the first time. Of course time. I haven't fucking done that shit. I, I have a setup. It is wall mounted. I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of it, but it's like, it's gorgeous. It's basically like... Probably, like, my third favorite thing after, like, I don't know, Honey and then Maham and then whatever. Anyways, um, but, like... Why was the dog first? <laughs> what do you That's mean, why was the dog first? Maham, the dog was first, right? Yeah, she's nodding. Okay, cool. Um, No, no, no. But, like, I just paid someone to do it because there's no fuck. Look, I tried, actually, once to, like, I drilled a hole in the wall and then I immediately crumbled. I was like, oh, fuck, there's no way I'm going to get this done because, like, that, that shit's, like, spooky and it's complicated and... I don't know. All right, well, um, uh, the chat is very definitive on hand sanding. Hand sanding? Okay, well, well thank you, I, thank didn't, you chat. I did not do a great job, so maybe I just need to go back and do it. But I I can tell where I put the hole in. I don't like that. I'm a perfectionist. So uh, not a big fan of that. And then my s second update is uh, the Epic Storm has had a couple website issues recently. Uh, I did a speed test through Google the other day, and my score is fairly low. Uh, optimization, speed, and performance were all below expectations. Uh, my site's five years old, and the framework itself, like the core of it, hasn't been updated in five and a half-ish years. So uh, for 2020, I'm planning on recoding the site from scratch and uh, with a new website design entirely. So that will be Is coming. the name changing? It is still uh, ThaliusEpicStorm.com. Black yes. Belcher, baby! And uh, uh, 2020 is actually the site's fifth anniversary in May. So that's pretty okay. cool. Happy birthday or anniversary, I guess. Both, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Is it, is it web birthday or anniversaries? I should ask. I, I want to respect the website. Uh, maybe we can have a birthday party. Ooh. All right. And we're going to cube at the birthday party? I don't know. Maybe if Wilson invites us. Hey, let's get it. All right, cool. So we're going to go into the feedback here now from the last episode because uh, I'm not going to lie. Um there's a lot that I want to talk about today. I don't remember fact, the last episode. You don't remember the last episode? Oh, <laughs> fuck me neither. <laughs> was I even on the last episode? Uh, I think you... I don't think he was. Who was on the last episode then? Uh, Eddie. A, a handsome Southern Californian. Eduardo. Ah, some, some, some handsome lad. We're going to go over the feedback. And uh, the first piece of feedback is by Reddit user Jackabo1983. As much as I like the concept of interviews, I think your pod is the best pod when it comes to analysis. And your pod is at its best when it does actually that. 
If you keep doing more interviews, I would like more how. Why? Can you elaborate? So we get a little deeper. That's what the episode was. We interviewed Jarvis and we interviewed um, Ben. For what it's worth, I agree with Giacomo. I think that yeah. Leaving a Legacy should be the interview podcast and we should mm-hmm. be more in-depth analysis. I hated the idea of having guests on, but uh, my arms were <laughs> my arms were barred. I do not have a choice. Oh, man. Yeah, he also doesn't like the idea of streaming. I'm going to put it out there, but you know what? I, I kind of like – see, here's the thing, right? I do this for fun. You guys do it for fun. And I kind of like just like trying stuff out, you know, like even if the episode is a flop, so long as I, we're, we're having a good time doing it and we're learning things along the way, he says as he strokes his hair out of his eyes because I need to get a haircut, guys. Uh, I, I still think it's like it's like um, okay to do all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, I have to say that I already enjoy streaming more than recording because I don't know, it's just sort of fun. It's sort of fun to show up and... There's also an element of some of the recordings where we just we get on a call and for an hour and a half it, it takes so long to get started just because that's just the hardest part of doing an episode and this like makes us dive right into it which is sort of cool. So yeah, yeah. Now showing our face and telling our stories is definitely sometimes the hardest part. So yeah, but what's the what's the next comment, Wilson? You want to take it? The Actually, collect- wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 wait. I'm gonna give this one to Bryant because I feel like Bryant will be able to just bring out the emotion that we need from this comment. The collective hatred of Black Red Reanimator made my salty soul gleeful. Fuck that deck. <laughs> Brian's opponent going, I didn't even want to play, so I brought Reanimator. It's so very encapsulating of how that deck feels as an invasive species that is just a giant pest. One goblin lackey on Reddit. Well, that's very fitting. That is so fitting. Um, yeah, goblin lackey. If you guys can you know guess the plays goblins and legacy and i have to imagine that gristlebrand is uh definitely tough for that deck to to beat especially on turn one um i mean obviously goblins does have some tools i sat next to uh mike hadley at the the grand prix and just watched him disassemble what is it the echo of eons deck that goes off on like turn one or two or something turn zero or whatever yeah um and he dismantled that deck uh which was pretty nuts, and then crushed me the round after. Uh, but yeah, like t- t- it's just a really, really fast combo deck, so I-, I definitely empathize there. You know, In fact, in this stream itself, I just got beaten by Black Red Reanimator. Not Black Red, it was Tinfins, same thing. They're basically the same, the Gristlebrand, haha. Uh, so yeah, hearts out. Anra, can I take the next one, since I have the proper emotion to give to this comment? Yes. Okay, here it goes. <clears throat> Enjoy the analysis as usual. See you guys at Eternal Weekend. By, yeah, by Reddit user Technomage, who I actually played against at a classic in, uh, I forget what, it, it was a classic somewhere, and I think they were playing Phoenix, some variation of Phoenix. It's so cool to meet people in person, people, uh, just, you get what I'm trying to say here. Um, and he was he was super chill, it was a really fun experience, and we you know, like bonded over the podcast, and a little bit of just like... What are you up to? What are you doing? That sort of thing. Yo, Technomage, what's up? Thanks for listening. We really do appreciate all the things that uh, the listeners do. And then, do we, do we want to take the last one? Do we yeah, want to read? It's, it's the best one. It's, it's the sick. best one. All right. So this is by uh, our cherished uh, listener, Twindom. And the comment goes, first 30 plus minutes, in quotes, Black Red Reanimator ruins my life. End quotes. Sob and whine. Didn't Storm win the whole thing? 
All right. So, Twindom, if you don't like our content, don't listen. <laughs> Jeez. But, whoa, 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 but there's a bigger okay, message that was in that episode that you chose to ignore because you're being a spiteful little prick. So the message was that if you take your losses and look at them and analyze them, that you can gain information from them. And I even mentioned in the podcast episode that I understood that eventually I had a tipping point where I had to start respecting Black Red Reanimator and I couldn't just look to dodge it forever. And then I played Tormod script the very next day. Round one got paired against Black Red Reanimator and won due to the Tormod script. And then actually I've top aided three events in a row since then with Tormod script in my deck. So you take your losses and you learn things and you improve upon yourself. Or you can just choose to look at the negative like your comment. So thank you for listening. Hey Phil, you can choose what to do with our this with this specific one. If you want to keep it in, you know, just like power to you. This one I'm gonna give to Force of Phil. Um, but cool. So we've got a couple things to do. So we already we have a couple sections that we've got. Um, mostly going over the SCG Philly stuff, but I kind of want to audible and I want to talk about um, an interesting question that uh, one of the Twitch chat. Uh, members brought up earlier there with two guns yeah it's stefan um and the question was have you guys decided yet if legacy is dead because pioneer is that what you're talking about that one yeah 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 yeah. so that was pretty cool uh today or was it today was today the bnr thing is today monday today is monday yeah so today is monday and the bnr list came out actually they've got banned and popper i feel like a lot of people are happy about that and then um something else happened right field, field of, of the, the dead, dead got banned in standard yeah, yeah, yeah. And so actually, Field of the Dead being one of the more menacing cards from SCG Philly back where we played a couple weeks ago. But the third announcement, and this was just like way bigger than both of those two, was that uh, there's a new format, Pioneer. And I mean, albeit it sounds a lot like another format called Frontier, but still, Pioneer is this new format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, starts with the, it's the card set of return to Ravnica and forward, right? And currently there are five cards on the ban list. Five fetch lands. What are your thoughts? I think that it it's wizards admitting that fetch lands are a possible mistake in magic, which is something they have not done up until this point. So I think that there's some significance there. A lot of people are talking about other cards that should possibly be on the ban list. They're going to do a live stream on Thursday where they could possibly add further cards. Some people think that Jeskai Ascendancy should be on there. I'm not sure if I agree. A lot of people are uh, claiming that Aetherworks Marvel should probably be on there due to the 13-mana Emrakul that is still standard legal. Or not standard legal, Pioneer legal. Uh, I think that you should let things shake out. Modern started with a very big ban list where a lot of these cards felt fine. But they just started banned, and then over time they went and banned them. I think the first few months, let them wreak havoc, figure out what's what, and then go from there. Um, fun fact, I actually started playing, uh, my very first set was Return to Ravnica. So, I don't know, that's kind of cool. Um, I have a couple questions regarding this. So, I mean, obviously that's that's Pioneer as a whole. I think what's still also interesting is that in the first quarter of 2020, there's going to be like a bunch of Pioneer GPs. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is it also being played in uh, on the in the players tour? I'm unsure. I don't know, but uh, Neo, I can't read it from here. Yeah, I call him Neo. Neo says that uh, it skips Innistrad block. 
it actually does it. Innistrad was the block prior to Return to Ravnica. Yeah, which might be one of the reasons why they chose Return to Ravnica, just admitting that, like, Innistrad was extremely powerful with, like, Liliana of the Veil Delver and, like, Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, Delver. Oh, my God. This is a format without Delver. I mean, like, they can just never have Delver. I think that's kind of pretty cool. Well, I think Neo might be saying that, it, like, using the word skips in that it starts after, maybe. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, after that block, there's a pretty big uh, difference in philosophy for printing cards. Like, Return to Ravnica, at the time I was writing for Jupiter Games, and I wrote an article about how I thought a lot of the cards were unplayable because they were also costly. But then the format rotated, and it turns out the formats were after that were all just so much slower. Innistrad and the prior block were very fast. I believe it was um, it was the Scars of Mirrodin block. And they were all very fast, where this definitely slowed down a lot. And it's just a different pace of play, and I think that's why they chose to start at Return to Ravnica. Yeah, there's some really interesting things. I mean, this is my first time considering this. I saw the announcement. I haven't read anything about it. But there's some crazy stuff, like some of the Delve spells, like Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise, um, plus, obviously, Ether the Marvel combo. So... I mean, it makes sense that they're starting with a very simple band list and then sort of seeing what happens. But there, there are certainly some pretty crazy things that are included in here, which, which will be pretty interesting, I think. It's sort of, we've recently got this era of degenerate, busted, mythic planeswalkers that really take over standard formats. But before that, you know, the things like the Delve spells and you've got... Um, Co- smuggler's copter as well as the, the Sahili cat stuff. combo. What's that? The Sahili cat. Any of the combo. cards that got banned. In yeah, Sahili cat's really interesting for sure. So, especially yeah, with we'll, we'll, uh, we'll three mana Teferi to stop removal. Right now, I don't. We haven't really answered the question though, right? Which is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what I wanted to transition to. So the idea here is, like, they also announced a couple of other things. There's going to be four Pioneer Grand Prix. Potentially, it could be, you know on the players tour one thing that i did notice in the in the calendar schedule was that we don't have a legacy event anywhere in the world if I i'm if i'm not well. mistaken and, and yeah throughout april and that is sort of it's a little bit concerning i believe that heartbreaking is a more appropriate word so so that's where i guess the concern comes in that's this is where we would actually go to answer the question is this going to negatively impact legacy and if so why if not why for sure i think that modern is going to become the quotes new legacy where it gets fewer grand prix per year we might see three or four modern grand prix a lot of pioneer some standard standard's been really uh i'm just going to say miss the last couple of years i think they lost a lot of uh customer confidence after kaladesh block and people haven't really bought back in and then with Arena being released, more people are playing online. Local game stores aren't firing standard events nearly as often anymore. It just seems like less people are interested in standard and they were more interested in modern. But modern's been so degenerate and broken recently where this Pioneer format seems to come at a really good time. That's interesting. So I certainly agree with the part that this affects modern the most. And it is certainly, I believe, a reaction to the degeneracy of modern and um, sort of the, the constant broken nature of the format, ban after ban, printing after printing. It, it's a way of sort of starting fresh with a non-rotating format uh, and really latches on to a lot of what people like with modern, 
while while keeping out a lot of the stuff that I think have caused problems in modern for a long time um, in a way that is not just a bunch of bands, right? So it's I, I really like this move in terms of introducing something that is non-rotating to the magic community as a way of getting people more interested in non-standard. But I also don't believe that this is that relevant for us with Legacy. The the largest relevance is exactly what you said when you ran when you read the Grand Prix calendar in that there's an additional format plus pauper as well that they'll be trying to support at Grand Prix and just by nature of numbers there may be less room for legacy um, but that all being said I think it's a totally different target market it's the really the the modern uh, market that they're targeting and I think that the legacy community remains sort of a different beast in my opinion. Well, we weren't saying that we think that Pioneer is going to steal legacy players. We're, I believe Anurag and I were on the same page saying that we think that this is going to steal some of legacy's potential slots for Grand Prix. Yeah, I mean, I think that's reasonable. To be fair, though, there's also, looks like there's going to be more Grand Prix, and as long as Magic continues to be a successful game, hopefully our Grand Prix count, and also tournaments that are not Grand Prix but that are large events will hopefully continue increasing. So I recognize the desire i mean i recognize some of the um the sentiment there with the with no legacy gps being on the calendar it's hard to argue that there wasn't like a, a legitimate negative effect at least for q1 here but long term i i still have reason to be positive uh, about legacy in general so so wilson if you win a grand prix will you have uh, anything to say afterward if i win it what that sounds like a leading question and i'm not sure what you're leading me to do you see like Brian? Brian had like a really like sly smile just for a second there. He's just like so. It's it's. I think it's both exciting that like Brian smiled and that Wilson like immediately just like no bullshit sniffed it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. My 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 thought is so. It's it's obviously you you have to make cuts somewhere in the GP schedule um, unless you're planning on expanding it. And even if you do expand it, like how much expansion? I want to say even like the threat of losing GP slots that are already so precious kind of makes me a little bit, eh, but I also do think Wilson is absolutely correct where its primary competitor is not going to be legacy, but modern, right? Now, I guess my big concern here is which of these formats is going to get hurt more um you guys remember extended right i didn't actually i've never played a game of extended in my life before that format just got completely axed right it did yeah i played a lot of extended so axing formats is like not something outside of watsi's range and i have to wonder you know extended got axed not legacy when modern was a became a new thing right so my my question here is is like They've shown before that they want to keep Legacy around, right? Because Legacy is just... It's such a unique format, right? It's... its I mean, it's just Legacy. Like, there's things you can do in only Legacy that you can't do anywhere else. And that makes me wonder, like, maybe the next time, you know, they're like, hey, we've got to maybe, you know, slim down a little bit. Maybe they're not going to look towards Legacy, but instead look towards, like, Modern? I don't know, because, I mean... That, that's that's if, if I'm being optimistic and if I'm also being a little bit honest here, I just feel like Legacy does have a little bit of a barrier where they can never get rid of it completely. I mean, they can like strip away from it until, you know, there's not much left, but um, I don't know. Yeah, there is a major difference. So, by the way, this is my little, uh, little humble brag here. I played in the first modern pro tour, which is really interesting, and it was announced pretty 
soon before the, before the Pro Tour actually happened. But what was a major difference at that time is that Extended was still a rotating format, and it was a, a, a significant foray of a non-rotating format into uh, the forefront of competitive play. And this is a little bit different in that it is similarly to the, the previous format that it is closer to, another non-rotating format being introduced that is simply an attempt to solve some of the problems of that format. So I don't really know what the conclusion of that is other than it's a, it's a little bit of a different situation than when Modern spawned from Extended. Yeah. Actually, I saw a really good point too, which was um, provided by Nathan Golia. I'm sorry, I don't I don't know how to say the last name, but Golia. the point Golia, okay, yeah. So his his point, he had a really good point, which was what's the platform? Like, okay, you got you got Pioneer, right? And this is gonna be a Grand Prix format, right? So people need to test for this format, right? How are they gonna do that? Online. Arena doesn't have the capacity for this currently. So Magic Online is gonna be where people will go to play Pioneer. That means that they literally cannot get rid of Magic Online until they develop uh, something else for maybe an arena or I don't know, whatever. Which means that Legacy also just gets the free pass to stick around and just, you know, do its thing. So, I don't know. That that's I feel like that's a really good point um, in terms of Legacy's preservation. Did you happen to see the GoBots tweet earlier today that said that uh, about a week ago, someone started buying up RTR Forward online, and they couldn't figure out why. And they spent like 10,000 tickets on, and they were trying to buy tickets as well. So it seems like uh, some people had insider knowledge and definitely took advantage. Yeah, that's uh, my, my pinching my nose in my mind and just stinky, stinky. Um, but You're pinching your nose in your mind? In like my your, mind, because I didn't. I, saw, I was originally going to pinch my nose like right now, but then I realized like if you pinch your nose, like sometimes it hurts a little bit, right? Or just like it's like sore and then like it expands back and then you're fine. But then I was like, I really don't want to pinch my nose and experience that. So I, sorry, rambling. But. Is it your mind's nose or is it is it your nose, but a sort of representation of your nose in your mind? I would be absolutely terrified if my nose actually had like a conscience of its own. Um, Oh, your nose is mine. So uh, why don't we talk about, instead of uh, pinching noses and, you know, nose mines, why don't we talk about, uh, SCG Philly was a couple weeks ago, and Anurag and I both attended. Thanks, Anurag. Why don't you tell us about how your weekend went? Okay, I got to look through my show notes real quick. Um, All right, so long story short, I wasn't really that successful um, in terms of magic. Uh, let's see. So, but I, I will say that the weekend overall was a plus. Like I had a lot of fun. So I'm I'm going through my show notes right now and just like seeing. Um, I actually didn't. I wasn't planning on going to this event. Uh, I it's it's all the way across the for me basically the planet. Uh, uh, it's a really expensive flight. And honestly, like I like I could have gone to the price to get to Philly is also the price to get to Italy for. Uh, you know, the Grand Prix. So I was just like, there's no way I'm not going to take the, the Grand Prix here. Uh, but I found out a week before that I could go. And um, that was thanks to work. Basically, I was flying in to DC to work the next week. So I was like, all right, you know, let me just push it forward a couple of days. And then bam, now I need to find a team because I mean, by this time, by this point, like everyone I know is already like who's planning on going already has a team. Uh, turns out I got a little bit lucky. Um, Eric Virgo, who has basically spent the last, I, I don't know, how do I introduce Eric? Eric is basically like one of the legacy specialists, right? He's a master of, of Rug Delver, um, having played Stifle. The Mountain Man. 
Mountain Man. Okay. Ninth on Breakers on Twitter. Uh, and Eric has basically just, he, about half a year ago, he unplugged himself from the world and decided, hey, I want to do this amazing event. And he walked up the West Coast of the USA. And that's like 2,600 miles or something. And so, you know, flash forward to where I am. I'm like, hey, I need a team. He messages me and we're just like, all right, let's get it. I told him I don't have any experience in any other format besides Legacy, so he painstakingly sacrificed himself and, and decided to play Urza in the event. Um, so that was that. And then for our standard player, we had um, Luke Rubin, the younger brother of Alex Rubin, who joined us and was going to pilot Golos, uh, the I guess which was like the new hot stuff at the time. I guess it was like a week into standard. So now it's obviously a menace, and now it's obviously been solved. But you know, that's that's what we were on, and um, so yeah, that was that was the the experience. Uh, Friday, I fly in and I'm hanging out with Eric. Uh, he talks to me about his hike, how he basically documented all his stats, how his basic go to dinner. I shit you not. He said he would eat for dinner a tortilla with Nutella because it was light and it fit in his bag and it had a lot of calories. He said daily he was eating on average 7,000 calories. And I'm just like, you don't look like you are a person who eats 7,000 calories. You know what I mean? But then again, like you think about it, this guy walked like 30 miles a day, like, or maybe like 15 and then maybe 30 on some days. Um, so I guess you do need the energy from somewhere. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty exciting. As far as the actual event goes, in terms of like the magic that I played, it wasn't really. I mean, it was it was sort of more of the same. Um, I ended up going five and two. I played against uh, Ad Nauseum Tendrils twice, a Storm twice, Blue Red Delver, Rug Delver, Jeskai Mentor twice, and I think I played against Dragon Stompy as well, uh, Mono Red or whatever. I lost to Storm once, and I think I lost to. Well, I didn't actually lose. Hold up. No, no, no. I did lose. I think I lost to the uh, Rug Delver deck because I didn't hit my fourth land for Supreme Burger or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was you know, just like a regular tournament. Um, but the team died at the end of round seven, so we, we died a little bit early. But we, I, I swear to God, I think I found one of the top ten matches of Magic that I've ever watched. And it was actually a standard game. It was the Golos Mirror um, and I think the reason it was interesting was because it was like just good fundamentals of magic where we identified a game plan about 20 minutes into the game. And the game was so long that we finished 101. But because we identified the game plan like halfway through the round, we were able to execute and win, which involved um, decking ourselves and then Jace, uh, wielder of mysteries, winning. So that was pretty cool. Uh, what is Scrabble? Why is Scrabble on your show notes? Yes, that's a good point. So rewind back to Friday. Um, it's me staying at Eric's place, and then he invited a friend whose name is Ben. And Ben, I don't think I've been more impressed by someone in my life. Ben actually just finished, um, I think it's the World Scrabble Competition. And he uh, placed uh, fourth, I think, in Nationals last year. And I, Scrabble is crazy. The whole time, the whole weekend, we were hanging out with Ben, right? He would just, like, look at words and be like, all right, this is an anagram for that. All right, this is a thing for that. He looked at my name and was like, did you know you could rearrange the letters in Honorog and spell the word Guarana? And he was like, and it's worth, like, 25 points. And I was just like, what? So, 
This is one of those like stereotypes where you you would think a Scrabble champion might do that, but then you're like, no, I bet they're actually just totally normal, and they're, they're, you know they probably don't do that. But your experience is that actually the Scrabble champion was also a real world word genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like like practical. Situation. Like I mean, he was also preparing. So like this was three weeks ago, and then the week after that, he flew to India. So like he was sort of just like at the standard event for like shits and giggles. Um, and then he was like sort of like like mentally preparing for the Scrabble championship in the background. Fun fact, when I pitched Cardboard Live to potential investors, I had a slide for alternative applications of interesting hobbies that we could use streaming tech for, and one of those was Scrabble streaming. Hey, I want to just give a, a shout out to uh, my boy, Yosoi Easy, aka Eddie Zamora, in the Twitch chat saying hi to us. We say hi back to you, Eddie. Just wanted to know you are loved. And also shout out to Dugs on Twitch. Um, with the the Maverick website, what is it? The the GreenSunZenith.com. I don't understand why we have to give him a shadow every episode. That's I just like his content, man. Why you gotta be a hater? Hi Google. Yeah. Anyways, well, tired of the turn to Thalia's, I think. <laughs> um, no, but it's so cool. Just like seeing people from other sorts of games, and, and like first of all, I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't even know that there was a, a world championship for Scrabble. I should have just assumed that there was. Um, but but seeing like someone who is like in the top like the most competitive bracket, like just how their brain worked even for a glimpse was just awesome. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to say. Shoot, oh, it was so fascinating too. Oh, streaming, streaming Scrabble. Um, that was also something that was interesting that Ben and I talked about, which was it's it's kind of funny so scrabble is also part of hasbro and the software that they have is a little bit dated so we talked a little bit about how we could make it um more viewer friendly uh how to just make it like spicier and just like something that is like much more watchable i don't know uh so that was an interesting discussion as well um but yeah ryan how was your scg philly i'm glad we finally arrived here uh my event was fine I took a chance uh, playing with a couple local kids that are fairly young. They both had some success in Star City game opens prior. Our modern player had three open top eights with Burn, and the standard player just grinds Arena and I think has one top eight. And unfortunately, we dropped after round seven. Uh, my personal record was 7-1, which is pretty good. I lost two Miracles the second time I faced it. Uh, Mystic Sanctuary was actually just incredibly good and ended up winning my opponent the round. Uh, but I've been there. My teammates felt bad because they didn't pull their weight, and it happens. I played a team event with Marshall Arthurs and Brian Koval. Brian had just been coming off of his uh, Vintage World Championship, and Marshall, if you don't know him, is just a master at every format. He's a veteran of the game and just very good. Marshall had spent hours and hours and hours that we grinding arena playing the uh the bug hydra deck and went 7-0 and brian and i i think we both went like 1-5 and we dropped and the round that we won all three of us won so we went like 1-5 or one maybe 2-4 if we're lucky but it was just miserable and we apologized to marshall and he said he couldn't have asked for a better team we just didn't perform that weekend so i think i was probably due for one of those but I don't blame the guys that, that I teamed with in Philly at all. Like, bad weekends happen to the best of us. I scrubbed out of uh, Atlanta and the Star City Open the week prior. You can't always run hot. 
Actually, real Brian, quick. Do you, yeah, go on, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, real quick. Um, that's kind of interesting you say that. I feel like one really, really important component of team events is, like, how you stack your losses together. So, for example, you're telling me in this – like, the, you guys all won, uh, like, that one round together. Jarvis's team made top eight of SCG Philly. I want you to guess what Jarvis's record was and what Dave's record was at the end of day one. We were uh, – there like, one loss – our our terrible team beat them, uh, and it was because Jarvis punted. Yeah, so so Jarvis's team finished seven two on the day, and Jarvis was like three or three and five or something like three five one, and then like Dave was like four and four or something, and and basically Rob the 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 third player on the team Rob Long carried them on their back on his back and just like com- like completely destroyed everyone. Point being, though, they had such abominable records, but they happened to, like, stack it up nicely so that uh, they never had, like, two losses in one round, and they just, like, finished perfectly. So it's pretty nuts. Yeah, for sure. So I have teamed with both of you on different occasions. That is true. We top 16 a Magic Fest. I guess t- back then it was a Grand Prix in Toronto. Okay, but you may have top 16 the event, but Wilson and I got beers afterwards with Lee Marino. <laughs> Wait, was Lee on your team as well? Lee Marino, yes. Our team oh, yeah, is I feel I feel a little bit betrayed, but also, dude, Lee is so cool. Anyways. Uh, so Sunday, I played the Legacy Classic and got to hang out with my best bud, Anurag. Uh, it was a good time. I didn't realize this until I got home, and this is definitely a brag, but I 2-0'd every opponent I played up until my loss in the top four. Cha-ching! Yeah. And, uh... My list has been running really well. I added a second basic to it. And when we made the show notes originally, like three and a half weeks ago, I was eight and one against Delver since adding in a second basic. I want to say now I'm like 13 and three. Like the second basic has made such an improvement on the deck against the Delver deck. Just being able to sit with like an island, a swamp, and then a mox opal or a chrome mox and just be completely wasteland proof has been a pretty big deal. Nice. Cool. Do you guys have any events coming up soon? I will be attending the Leaving a Legacy Open 5? Is that mm-hmm. what this one is, or is it 4? It's this weekend, right? I think it's 5. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking a day trip up. Uh, a friend is driving. I'm going to sleep in the car. I did the whole fly-in, fly-out in the same day thing last time, but then I top forward the event and kind of played very quickly and poorly because I was afraid of missing my flight. And I, I remember that, yeah. I ran out of the building because I was, I was convinced I was going to miss it. And then I got to the airport. They were in the middle of boarding when I got there. And then the flight got delayed an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, is that good luck or bad luck? I don't know. I guess that's you wanted more time for your top eight, top four match or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, I guess Eternal Weekend is also the week after, which is going to be pretty exciting. Are you going to either? Uh, are either of you going to that event? Yes. I know Bryant is not going because you have a wedding, right, Bryant? That is correct. I will be in lovely Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, nice. You should go to Hall's Chop House. Uh, it's got pretty good reviews. Um, but I am planning on going. Okay. Are you playing or are you going to do other stuff? I would like to play. I, I don't really have a path to playing vintage at this point because I don't own the full power nine and I haven't figured out a borrowing situation. Mm -hmm. So as of now, uh, I'm at least playing legacy Mm -hmm. and excited about it. So no one blue, blue brazen borrowing, no petty theft. That's good. I, I, uh, 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I same same sort of thing happened here where like I wasn't planning on going, but then like work things lined up beautifully once again. So I'll be there too. That's gonna be pretty awesome. Come say hi if you do see us. Um, yeah. I mean, otherwise, I I guess uh, I want to talk about. We are you are we ready to switch topics? Yes. Holding uh, holding your hands, Bryant. Or what are we going to talk about first? Well, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I got it? this. I got, I got a topic for you. I got a topic for you. <coughs> Full disclosure: We're looking at the. I'm looking at the show notes right now, and it says Teamer Delver. And by God, I just don't want to talk about Teamer Delver. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm can we so not sick this? of this fucking deck. Like, sorry, what were you saying? I don't want to talk about that. Okay, well, oh, don't control, don't delete the he whole thing. He just deleted the whole <laughs> what thing, the hell, dude. I, I that was like two pages of content. But yeah, I'm like snowballing off of that stuff but control z because it was right put it back put it back no um what i wanted to talk <laughs> about was i think maybe like the newest fad in legacy all right you guys want to play hangman you guys want to play hangman chat you're also this is this is hangman with chat although i i feel like you guys are going to figure it out it's it's three letters uh so i would just no, like guess to a letter guess a letter but i like that you call it a fad oh because, yeah i mean it just feels like with how many cards that have come out in in um, Legacy recently. Okay, chat says W and six. None of those are correct. So uh, <laughs> your body is basically dangling now. Um, somebody said O and somebody said K. So I guess I guess it's figured out. We're talking about Oko. Um, Wait, well, hold on. I like Cliffy's response. I would love a BLT right now. No, he's you talking about bring to light. What? Oh, what, what do you do? Oh my god. <laughs> Brian's just very hungry. Yeah. I, I am. Yeah. Me too. Now you're making me hungry. But no, the reason I call it a fad is because there's so many cards that have recently been, been injected into Legacy. Like you look around the time of Grand Prix Niagara, right? How like Dreadhorde was everywhere and now it's where? I don't know. And then like Narset was everywhere and now it's where? I don't know. Um, and so I kind of just like think like Oko might be like the next. Like, uh, just what, what's the thing? Something of the month, flavor of the month, flavor of the week, that kind of thing. So I don't know. Uh, but I I do want to talk a little bit about Oko and we don't, we don't have to drag it out or whatever. I mean, just keep it. Oh, not sure all, you know, what are your guys thoughts on this card? And who do you want to start with? How about you start with me? Because yeah, yeah, just take it away. Then Bryant Bryant can respond in terms of his his differing opinion. Okay. Unlike Dreadhorde Arcanist, which sucks, I think that Oko is legitimately quite good. And I am somebody who is a little bit of a contrarian in that I see a lot of things that get overly hyped, and my first reaction is always to try to balance out the overhype by bringing people back to reality and showing the weaknesses of the cards that people really like. But for Oko... I legitimately think that this card is uh, going to be playable in Legacy for a long time unless we see a lot of changes in the format. And I guess I will go ahead and talk about why. So in Avoid, the design of the card, before you play with it, I think that it's fairly um, innocuous how much, like the the two plus abilities, the fact that making things into Elks is a plus one on a card that already starts with four loyalty for three mana is just totally insane. 
And if you compare this to a lot of other similar planeswalkers that affect the board in a way, whether it's neutralizing your opponent or giving you a pretty decent threat, generally those, those things have been costed in ways that either, number one, make your planeswalker prone to various removal spells like Bolt, or number two, uh, tick down in a way where you can't abuse it for an extended period of time. Oko is doing neither of those things. And I think that's a big reason why, just from a design perspective, the card is much better than I thought from my first impression. Um, and then additionally, the, quote, ultimate, which is not really an ultimate, it's just an expensive utility part of the card, is accessible almost immediately and is also extremely uh, relevant in a lot of situations in the game. So you have, you have three modes that end up being... Uh, incredibly relevant against a large variety of matchups uh, on a three-mana Planeswalker in Legacy. And I think you add that all together and it's quite good. Um, one small interaction that's not even that small, but I think is interesting is when you add, put this in an Astrolabe deck, the ability to make a threat much quicker with your Astrolabes is actually quite solid, which is why, while I do think that it is playable in a Delver deck, I'm particularly excited about this in decks like Anurag was just playing prior to this recording, which include Astrolabe and other good grindy cards. All right, Brian. That was, I, I'm not going to lie, that was like A-plus analysis. Oh, really? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Brian, you got you got, you got you got to deliver too, because I'm... I mean, if you're just going to say Oko sucks and just be done with it, I mean... Well, may and maybe Brian doesn't disagree with me. We okay, didn't really okay, get okay. a chance to talk about this. I guess that I was a little bit of a spoiler. That... Brian, what do you think about this card? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the truth is I agree a lot with Wilson. I do think that Oko is a fine card. Uh, I'm a little... I think that it is playable, but I am on the lukewarm uh, side of it. Like, Wilson's very hot on the card. I think it is better than 3-mana Teferi. I think that it is certainly playable. It has a lot of upsides. For example, it actually answers Merit Lage. It can answer a Chalice of the Void. Uh, other problematic things like that. It does not answer True Name Nemesis, but maybe that's fine because you can gain three life per turn. Uh, so that is a certain bonus of Oko. Where I think that I disagree with a lot of the legacy community is when you look at Reddit or chat groups or the Leaving a Legacy Facebook page, people are, it's all they're talking about. It's a one of in Rug Delver. People are starting to experiment with the second copy. I've talked to some people. They're already dropping the second copy. One of the strengths of Legacy, and in particular the Blue Decks, is that the Blue Decks have such a strong shell. They have Ponder. They have Brainstorm. They have Force of Will. And they have so many other really powerful cards to go with them. And they're like, oh, wow, Oko's insane. I drew it in this card this exact scenario where it was good which is part of playing blue because you can get rid of cards that aren't as powerful when you don't need them but part of me wonders is oko actually what's good or is it the blue shell carrying a card that is above average i don't think that oko is bad i just think that it's fine and you have to compare it to other three mana cards that you would be playing it's most likely slightly better depending on the deck that you're playing but in a tempo deck, is it better than True Name? I'm not sure. Uh, True Name's a very powerful threat, and it's what's being cut for the Okos currently that I've seen. So I think that the Legacy community is overreacting a bit, and time will tell if it's actually as good as people think, but I'm willing to think that it ends up being playable but not busted. I think that's a that's a fair analysis, Bryant, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I think our differing tones come down to 
which sentiments we're reacting to in the legacy community. Because I agree with all the specific points you made about the card. I don't think that it's something that's going to appear in many numbers in a lot of lists. It's a, it's a solid card that you might play a couple copies of in certain types of decks. And certainly in tempo decks, you don't want too many of this type of effect. Um, but I put it in the category of cards like Leovold, Narset, Kolagon's Command. All those cards I just listed do very different things than Oko, but they also fill a similar slot in that they're solid legacy cards that decks that have mid-rangey or controlling elements in them, which, by the way, modern, the current tempo decks absolutely, you know, can have these elements to them. Um, those decks really absolutely want a card like Oko. And I do think that it does more than any one of those individual cards, which is what makes it really exciting. But like you said, I don't, it, it, I don't think there's really any deck in the format that ever wants more than three. And uh, I know Anurag was experimenting with three in his stream right before this, but I'm looking at a lot of potential four-color lists where I definitely want to play two Okos, uh, and I get really excited about that. Uh, it hasn't been talked about a lot, or at least I haven't seen it, but Oko Dice the Pyroblast, which is traditionally a weakness of Blue Planeswalkers. And I know that's silly to say because Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast kill blue permanents, but I don't see people talking about it nearly as much as you would Narset or Jace the Mind Sculptor. And I know that Red Elemental Blast isn't super exciting against Rug Delver, uh, because outside of Delver Secrets, you're really only hitting cantrips in the, uh, the fair matchups because they often board out some of their counter magic, but... You know, like I, it's lightning bolt won't kill it, but pyroblast will. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that's a really good. I think people should definitely be considering that for sure. And particularly in the the mid rangey decks, I think that pyroblast is better against it than it is against Narset, but maybe worse against Jace. It's a huge blowout to have your four drop countered by a pyroblast. But I say that Narset is better against Pyroblast in that the one-time effect that you get from a Narset is generally better, uh, being able to impulse for an impactful spell if they're going to Pyroblast a card that is already in play. Of course, it's the same thing if it gets countered on the stack. Um, whereas Oko really starts to shine after you get two plus turns of Oko being in play. But this is another reason why I really like it in the Astrolabe decks, because a single uh, activation on an Astrolabe makes a reactive, non-stack-based Pyroblast much, much worse against Oko if you can navigate the game in a way to, to be in that situation. What does our homeboy Anurag Das think? All right. I was waiting for this moment. Oh, man. I think this card is absolutely incredible. Sorry, Phil, but I think this card is just nuts. Like, it's, like, fucking broken, and it's going to define Legacy more than any of the other Planeswalkers we've seen, like, moving forward. And I, I know I know, I, I sound like I'm, like, on cloud nine right now thinking about this card, but, like, I, I'm, okay, is it fair to say that I've probably played this card more than both of you? No. All right, it's probably fair for me to say that I've played this card more than both of you combined. Just, In Legacy. When I looked at Oko first, I looked at the card and I was like, all right, what the fuck is a food token? I don't think I really care about that. That doesn't make too much of a difference, right? And then I looked at the plus one and I was like, okay, you can make one of their creatures an elk, but then you still have a 3-3 that you have to trade a card with. And then I looked at the ultimate and I was like, this doesn't really do anything. For and I'm thinking in the context of a control mage, right? So I looked at all three of these effects and they looked extremely lackluster and I just sort of wrote the card off. Then Lawrence plays the card once or twice, and he's just like, yo, Oko has been the shit. You should really try it out. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll give it a go. 
in play, the card is just so much crazier than you, you just ever imagined by looking at it, um, you know, on paper. And uh, Wilson, I think you really did capture a lot of the reasons why. I think, from a uh, control perspective, that it ticks up to six loyalty the first turn you get it down is 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 absurd. It's too much. Um, it should be five, right? It comes in with four. It comes with four, then you make a food token. Yeah, but it goes up to six. Food is plus two. Oh my yeah. bad. Sorry, yeah, I was yeah. thinking the plus one elk. My bad. Right. So maybe if that was like a plus five, like you could argue that that's you know whatever. But like at plus at six loyalty, I think it's just it's pretty silly. Um, I legacy is not a very creature focused format um in the blue mirrors at least we got like baleful strikes maybe like delver has like one creature out you have like tarmogoyfs here and there but you know it's not like like uh, and obviously there are some exceptions yes like humans will go wide elves will go wide um but i don't know it just feels like oko coming down to six means that it's not going to die they have to have like plus creature or multiple creatures and like that itself isn't like even guaranteed to do it because you'll be min maxing the games the entire time, so it's not like uh, having a big board state is going to be that helpful, anyways. But yeah, it's, just, it's, it's resilient. That's the first thing, right? I actually also realize here that life gain in Legacy is kind of a precious commodity. Um, there are a number of times where I'll be like, "Wow, I won this game at one life, and it was so satisfying." And Oko is the kind of card that makes it so that like you never really have to. I mean, if you resolve an Oko, you always have that sort of, like, backdoor, I can just gain three life if I really need to kind of thing. Um, I think in our last episode when we interviewed, uh, you know, the Burn burn player, um, I kind of just realized, like, Burn is reasonably well-positioned in the format, and a, having a threat in your deck that is actually good against Burn is kind of a nice thing, too. Life game just... It's a precious commodity, and I think it's very undervalued. And I and I love having cards that you know will passively gain life or have the ability to gain life. And I think that's another. I'm just sort of like rambling here, so just you know bear with me. Well, but, okay, yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, go ahead. Like and interrupt. I see Premier League this week. Edgar Melgahays, Melgahays, Magalhays. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, faced Eric Landon, who was playing Burn, and you know what Oko did on Arag? Okay. Okay. Nothing. All right. It is not good enough to save your matchup. If for some reason you manage to hit the best five cards in your deck into Oko, you're still behind. Uh, it could possibly pull you up, but I don't think it's possibly going to win you the match. Counterpoint. Counterpoint, and I say this because Edgar is a brilliant player, but I don't think there was a single card that would have won him that match. Like, he literally, Eric went turn one Goblin Guide, turn two Goblin Guide, Monastery Swift Spear, and it was over. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, and he was on the draw too because the matchup is horrendous. And that, that I'm just saying you shouldn't say that Oko is a savior for a matchup when it's not enough. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I may have, I may have dialed up to like ten point one there. You know, that's <laughs> that's, that's that's fair. Well, and that's a fair point, and not really a counterpoint, but just to give Anurag something here is that it does help you. I mean, it, it is it is only a good thing to add to the matchup, but yes, you, you've you got to be doing something different than most four-color control decks do if you want to beat Burn at all, whether or not you have Oko in your deck. Now, I will say, Anurag, to add some additional reasoning to why you are really liking life gain, I would say specifically it is because if you get into parity situations in which you have some food lying around, you actually, you're going to have more time to, to draw. You're basically going to be able to see more cards before you die to something like a true name nemesis or a single threat 
um, which is specifically why the life gain is good, right? So you're basically saying that, but I'm, but I'm saying specifically is because you will get to see more cards because of that life gain. And it's not just arbitrary that you know makes you feel good for a little while. Like you actually have more outs because of it. So that's pretty interesting. Um, Nuances, for example, and just like clarifying, yeah. like have you been over twenty life before against a Marilage deck? It completely changes the dynamic of the game when they can't like one shot you, for example, right? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've cast an um, nauseum from twenty seven once. Did Did you win? <laughs> no. You were playing Ant then, I assume. Hi-yo! Uh, so I, I will say the best way of level one of getting good of, of being good at Legacy is playing Legacy. But I would say after you become good at Legacy, you can learn a lot about cards by playing other formats. And in playing Oko in Cube a lot this past weekend actually taught me a lot about the card. And I know this is sort of sounding like a Wilson broken record rant, but you know we get to play... 720 singletons. It includes insane things like Mana Drain, Librarian of Alexandria, and there's a lot of um, interactivity both on the stack but also playing with a lot of creatures, a lot of enchantments, all these different things. And I first picked Oko actually in a draft, which is sort of uh, a pretty speculative multicolor pick, but I really wanted to try it out. And it ended up just being like playing in such a diverse format where you're playing against a variety of strategies from aggro to control to combo with all of these different cards, it, it really gave me an appreciation for what the elk mode is doing against pretty much anything in a way that I could extrapolate that to, to Legacy and really be able to see like, you know, Legacy really isn't that different in that decks attack from a variety of different axes and you can start to see where the different modes of Oko play out well against pretty much everything in some way. You know, from making threats to neutralizing permanents that are difficult to deal with to uh, both neutralizing creatures and giving yourself creatures that have parity and, and basically kill off each other to gaining life. Um, there's a lot of different situations, and I think being able to fight the format on pretty much every axis is part of why I think this is a highly main deckable card in decks that are just generally good and want to have game against everything. Yeah, I don't know. I, I also want to go back to the one point that you were mentioning earlier, right? In the context of Snow specifically, I think Oko is even more absurd. Just, oh, be yeah. just because, and it, it doesn't seem like a lot, but getting a six mana, sorry, well, sorry, not six mana, a five loyalty planeswalker into play while also creating a three three is just a large amount of board presence all in one turn. Um, and the thing, the, the truth here is that Oko also just clocks really, really fast. Like what you hit for three the turn you make the astrolabe, and then you know two turns later it's like six, so they've taken twelve damage total, three three and six, and then they're probably just dead the next turn unless they're, well, I don't know, just actively got an answer for the Oko itself. Um, this is also all going along while you are doing other stuff as well. So, right, like they could add to the board. But anyways, my, my, my point is, is that it's it's extremely powerful. Don't sleep on it. I've ended so many games so fast with Oko that I just, honestly, I didn't really think I would be winning otherwise. And I'll also note one more thing, and that is that um, Oko will probably resolve a lot of the time, and in those situations, there are very few cards that I can think of that I would also want on the board from the perspective of a control deck, there are the types of control decks that I play, um, except for Oko, um, that it doesn't die to bolt like Mentor does, as I think is like a very big thing, um, so that you can actually just get on the board and continue developing the board 
um, in the face of I don't know, just like a bunch of other stuff. I don't know if that there was that that, that thought was really coherent. Uh, it's I'm, good. I'm sort of like gushing. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I have two things to say to that. One is that you are not overvaluing Astrolabe with Oko. In fact, if anything, everybody is undervaluing it because the difference between making a food and giving your opponent an opportunity to then do something is insane with making a 3-3, right? It just puts your opponent in such a different situation that even in a best case scenario, you're already way up on value. Um, that I think that that by itself is such a, a huge interaction and a big draw to playing it in a deck with with Astrolabe. And, and to be honest, up until Oko, I've never been that excited about playing Astrolabe in a deck because of the downsides of, of random draw. And this is really the type of thing that draws me into wanting to play it is something that abuses that card. And so I'm I'm definitely really excited about that. Uh, and okay, so Neo in the chat is mentioning the ultimate. I do want to go back and talk about the ultimate of Oko it being another ridiculous part of this. And like we think of Planeswalkers as having ultimates, right? Which is like a large minus. And this certainly isn't a correction to you because we can consider it an ultimate. But it's really a third utility ability. Because Oko's operating on such a massive uh, loyalty basis, like you get to points in the game where you're ha you have anywhere between like eight to in the teens of loyalty and then you can like nuke off the minus five sometimes even multiple times if not just at least once and then have oko continuing to provide value it's just really incredible and then like you can do it as early as the second turn the card is in play so i would say it's really just a delayed third ability on the card that's incredibly relevant yeah i like it a lot um also the fact i mean it, it's also just already become like a multi-format all-star i've seen people play it uh you know in legacy like we're talking standard obviously modern i've seen it a little bit but even in vintage is where i'm seeing this card perform and this is sort of uh, i mean it makes sense right you have moxen and vintage so you make them into three threes and so i'm gonna so, sort of like uh get into a little bit of like the brainstorm show-esque vibe so you hear me out wilson yeah i know your face is lighting up right now i'm actually kind of interested in seeing a rug control deck so just red blue and green um leveraging red and six and oko together and then you can splash whatever you want alongside it but i think there's a little bit of potential there and other cards that i'm interested in seeing in this deck might include uh mox diamond to sort of facilitate that oko uh you know tick up to make it into a 3-3 three, three astrolabe really as well like that. yeah yeah maximize it so then you have like these sequences where you go okay oko time make my mox diamond a 3-3 three, three. okay next turn make my astrolabe a 3-3 three, three, and suddenly you've got six power in play and then if you have even more like you know you just basically to maximize on that and then um yeah i don't know just like a bunch of wastelands uh i i really 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 like that oko is just a clean answer to Merit Lodge um, is in a world where you're playing like Rug Delver, for example, right? And you have your, why are we talking about this again? But you have Wastelands in play, so a lot of the time, you know, your, your, the best uh, Dark Depths players will main phase activate to make their 2020, try to clear a forest if they can so they can't get submerged. And then you're like, you're looking at this 2020, you're like, all right, well, Vapor Snag, I guess. But I think Oko is just a much more versatile answer. It's a little bit more expensive, but because it does so much else, um, in the context of the, the legacy format, I'm really, really like <clears throat> sort of just like excited that it can sort of capitalize on that specific play pattern that comes up so much. <clears throat> 
And then otherwise, I think, you know, against combo, red, blue, and green is a very powerful color combination. You've got all the blue counter spells. You've got Veil of Summer for Storm, which is a very popular deck. And then obviously, you've got access to Pyroblast. With a couple flash threats here and there, you suddenly have this really good shell. One thing that I am a little bit concerned about is uh, True Name Nemesis. But I'm wondering, you know... Maybe there are smarter people out there who know how to beat True Name in, in the colors of red, blue, and green. Like maybe just Tarmogoyf try to race it kind of thing? I don't know. Yeah, um, I think that that was a very innovative point, Anurag. A Mox Diamond plus Astrolabe plus Renin 6 plus Oko deck actually sounds like it's something that could be quite good. And I, th I think that some of your ideas are sometimes kind of wacky, but that's part of coming up with ideas, right? You just try a bunch of different things. But this actually feels... I I'm really feeling that for a lot of reasons. One, beyond all of the obvious, it's that you're going to have a high enough density of value cards, which is always the issue with running Mox Diamond in any sort of fair deck, is that you don't have enough uh, value to overcome the negative. And when you have both value that combines with utility in the deck, it's really exactly what you're looking for when you're when you're playing Mox Diamonds. So I, I think that that could definitely be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to respond to the chat. We, we are. I, I thought the, the goal was we could be in a couple categories, but are we only able to be in one category? I, I can't get into the Magic the Gathering category too. I mean that would it would be nice, but. Uh... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure how to do that exactly. <laughs> it's sort of cool. To, I mean, I understand why you would want to be in magic, but at the same time, I've seen streamers I really like, like depending on what they are doing, go into different categories. And I think this does add like the variety aspect to your channel, which is sort of interesting. And in that sometimes you're doing a, a podcast, um, which is fairly creative. So yeah. I, so just a refresher. I mean, I, as you all already know, we are live streaming this podcast episode today, so we've got some chat input in and uh that was actually kind of interesting i i do like also keeping it to talk shows and podcasts because it's fun to not just talk about magic like i want to hear more about brian's ethernet project and like that that sort of stuff you know what i mean and uh i don't know i it's just a small small little point so um i mean obviously if i could figure out how to put it in both yeah i'd do that in a heartbeat but uh i'm not exactly sure i'm not very technologically like if, if I follow you, I would want to know, I would want to see the tag that you're on talk shows and podcasts because then I'd, I'd know that you're recording the Eternal Glory podcast. But I understand that if I don't follow you, maybe I want to find you in magic. So I, I, I mean, I sort of like this. I know it's sort of just a random opinion. Uh, you're fine. But yeah, going back to the Mox Diamond thing, I, I think Mox Diamond is also one of those cards that can fall off. Like when I was playing Mox Diamond in, in one of the original drafts of my four color control deck, um, I really loved it on turn one. You know, get that red and six out into play. I really loved it on turn two, get Narset into play. But like on turn four and five, I'm just like, Mox Diamond is le legit one of the last cards that I want to brainstorm into uh, because it just doesn't do anything, right? By that point, I've already established my mana. And so it's it's kind of cool to be able to, you know, take a card like that, which does have um, a low floor, depending on the stage of the game, um, and converting that into actual utility, um, relevant utility. Also, one thing that I'll say is in these control decks, I've also noticed... I. I, I do know that in the earlier drafts of, of this four-color white deck, which I, I like calling it Snow White. Let me know what you guys think, uh, but a good name for this. Uh, um, I'm a Disney fan, yeah. Uh, but 
You know, the original draft, Edgar Pyle, was based on Renin Six and Narset, right? One issue that I had with that deck was that you just didn't really have a good Delver matchup because your your Haymakers didn't really in, interact with the board. But I think I have yet to lose a game against Delver where I've resolved Oko. And I don't know, that you just can't say that about a card like Narset because Narset doesn't react well to a Delver of Secrets and, you know, transforming in the air and swinging. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I feel like um, we've rambled on enough about this card. Me especially, I kind of just like gushed like a gusher. Good snack. Hey, can we can we you can you add Nissa Steward of Elements to a some sort of rug planeswalker deck that you test for legacy on rug? Um, I looked at that card before. It's like okay. You can, oh, I know I didn't like the card. It's because I couldn't bring it back with Seven's Reclamation. It would have zero loyalty, and then it would die. Uh, Seems like a, a, a very, very good reason to not like a card. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that card also doesn't get enough love. Uh, maybe like in the sideboard or something, yeah. so I know I said I didn't want to talk about it, but this is a pretty good point of discussion. And I know we uh, sort of like raised our eyes, so maybe we'll just like keep this as like a time section. But... Did you notice that Rug Delver has transitioned from, or has slowly transitioned from just playing like the the Jun styled no bad cards um, Rug deck to what Daryl Ayers is the he's called he's called it the he wants to I don't know maybe the all bad cards some bad cards I don't know I don't know if there's a name for it but basically he's got Stifle in his deck I think uh, Rug Delver playing Stifle again is is super cool. I think the no bad cards name is kind of silly, to be honest. Uh, over time, people realized that Dreadhorde Arcanist wasn't exactly what they wanted, and we talked about that here on the Eternal Glory podcast. Dot com. And now they're down to just the hexing or the hex drinker, which we talked about, and we said that we really liked, and it would find a home. That's the last card of the quote no bad cards rug. Uh, it's just a silly title because decks change all the time and the playability of cards change and Stifle seems to be in right now. I know that Javier Dominguez played on uh, Legacy Premier League this past week and Legacy is a format that ebbs and flows and I don't think that you should brand a deck based on a couple different cards. Uh, I do think that Stifle tends to be more powerful than people give it credit for. People like playing these bigger Jun style tempo decks sometimes. Uh, I like keeping my tempo decks low to the ground. I actually really like the stifle versions of Rug. I have a soft spot in my heart for them. They're what I played a long time ago. And uh, I don't know. I do like seeing stifle come back. It makes games slightly more interesting. Do I fetch in my main phase? Do I play around stifle? Uh, that sort of thing. I know that when I played against Jarvis in the format playoff, I knew I didn't have to worry about it. So it's something that can sometimes be taken away from you if you're playing the most popular list. Hey, ethical question, Wilson. Yep. I like these. Uh, do you think Stifle is good? And you're going to say no, and I'm going to say, why are you wrong? And then we're going to get into a conversation. So do you think Stifle is good? Why is that an ethical question? What? What do you mean? I don't know. It seems like a it's fairly... It's a very nice. ethical question. It's deeply rooted into the core... Of ethics? Yes! Okay. I... I like a lot of what Bryant said, and I also think Neo in the chat is pointing out a good comment about uh, metagame consideration. What I like about what Bryant said is when people don't expect it. I mean, that's that's a very... I know that's sort of low-hanging fruit, but it's true when you see a bunch of stifled Delver decks not exist for a while and suddenly do very well in a tournament. 
just from playing, you know that people start to get lazy on playing around the card because they are used to lines where they don't have to care about it at all. And that's when it is absolutely insane. And a single Resolve Stifle can steal a lot of games because Legacy is, uh, you know, decks operate on such thin margins with their lands and Delver's especially punishing when you make one mistake with your mana, right? So I understand the uses for it. I see where it's good in, in a certain metagame. When I am playing Legacy... Uh, I generally think that I am advantaged over players who play Stifle versus players who don't play Stifle. And while a Stifle can still put me in situations that can get me, um, generally it is replacing much more impactful cards that I can't play around as, as easily um, and, or, or use some, some sort of skill to navigate. So that's generally my opinion. I also do like what Bryant said about Delver decks playing as low to the ground as possible and as tempo-y impossible. And traditionally I've had that view as well. So yeah, that's, that is certainly another plus for, for playing uh, a, a Stifle Delver deck. One element though about Stifle that I think it's gotten much worse than it used to be a few years ago because of the various axes of legacy are, are also a little bit different. Um, there are more matchups than existed like five years ago that where Stifle really does almost nothing. And when I'm playing a generically solid blue deck, I don't like to devote slots to my main deck that, that don't really do much at all against a decent portion of the metagame. I'd opt to go with something, uh, a more conservative choice in the main, and then have slots in the sideboard that are you know better against certain decks. So that's probably the largest thing keeping me away from it personally is sort of the dead nature of the card against a portion of the meta. So I do agree with you about the metagame share of having more decks that Stifle's dead against. That said, those decks tend to be prison decks because it's not good against Eldrazi or Moonstompy or whatever you would like to call these decks. But back then, those decks were fringe decks and now they're more playable. I don't know if whatever you're slotting in the Stifle slot actually improves your matchup much more than Stifle would. Uh, I know it's not a sexy slot, but that's why two out of three uh, games are in the board or post board. Sure. Well, what are well? Maybe we can talk about that because I'm not totally informed on what is being replaced. But I would assume it was something like spell pierce, spell snare, maybe an additional removal spell. Would that would those be cards that it's replacing? Actually, uh, this is going to be interesting to you. But uh, Daryl's list actually slimmed on a copy of Red and Six. I had a couple few. I think it had fewer threats. Uh, right. A true name nemesis was another card that I think Daryl cut just entirely uh, in favor of hooting mandrels. But I think the overall like threat density went down a little bit, and it definitely played much more like a classic like play one of these threats out, protect it, you know, with my life, and then use like stifle and wasteland to sort of just cheese the shit out of my opponents. I want to just extrapolate on this sort of point though um, that Daryl cutting Ren and Six I think was a brilliant move for that event. Um, not not cutting. So he went from three to two, and in fact he put the third in the sideboard. So when I say cutting, I don't actually mean he's like chopping it, chopping it, but he's he's sort of identifying something that I, I also came to the conclusion of, which was um, Ren and Six. As busted as the card is, I feel like it's just not as powerful as it was on. You know, week one, day one, hour zero. Um, people have adapted to it, and it's it's almost like I've noticed the change at least personally, having played a lot of these Ren and Six um, control decks. And and one thing that I've noticed about Ren and Six is like how the downtick ability of Ren and Six has become a lot less powerful. Like I do think it's still good against things like uh, let's say Narset, uh, you know, Teferi. Um, 
it's good like in plane, planeswalkers in general i guess because you you down tick on an enemy right in six is also pretty good if you can combine it with lightning bolt but specifically against creatures i feel like the power of red and six has just gone down a little bit and like let me give you the best example right death and taxes when red and six came out people were like oh no death and taxes is just dead and i've played against death and taxes a couple times recently and i actually think for my control deck it's not even that good of a matchup i don't even think i can say it is a good matchup and like when you look at how the deck is sort of transitioned it really has forgone mother of runes that's the big thing uh stoneforge mystic is scary sarah sarah avenger is that the one sees a lot of play now um charming prince is another non-x1 body um there's just like so many like adjustments that have been made to the deck even like phyrexian revoker is technically good against ren and six because you just name phyrexian revoker with the ren and six and then you know go to town uh with the rest of your creatures but it's the point the point that i'm trying to get at is that the format has somewhat adopt adapted to the card and sort of just i i get that it's still a strong card but pretending that it's like as powerful as it once was i just don't think I think it's really smart that you have the third for the matchups where you really want it, but you don't want to go all in on the card like you were before. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to make a speculative statement here. Speculate. It is that as, as we move away from the hotness of Rin and Six into a, a new territory of fun and exciting things like Oko, I think Rin and Six will go back to being very solid. It's only it's only part of the natural life cycle of a card where a format isn't ready for it. And it and it specifically something that really punishes X ones as being an example, right? All of a sudden that's gonna fly in and a lot of the existing format that has a lot of these cards are going to get severely punished. Then adjustments are gonna happen. Well guess what? Those adjustments can never be permanent in a format that is shifting with new and exciting printings like this three three mana planeswalker. And inevitably, I can't tell you the specifics of what that will be yet, but inevitably, people, because of both the cause and effect of that happening, and then Ren 6 probably declining a little bit, and that maybe being a flex slot for new things like Oko, and all these other variables, what's going to happen is Ren 6 is probably going to slowly increase in its power yet again. So um, that's my speculation. No, I actually think that's kind of interesting. You know, if Oko is really the shit, which it is, it's a very good card, you know, three mana as the pillar of the format, one way to attack that is, I mean, you can either try to fight the card, you can try to go over the card, or you can try to go under the card. And Renna 6 is the perfect kind of card. It's 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 a very good standalone threat that, you know, I'm mean, rudimentary, it costs two mana, but and that gets under three mana. I think that's... Well, can I make a more clarified statement for you uh no i think that that's fair what you're saying but i also am not saying that ren and six necessarily combats oko particularly well specifically i think that if people want to combat oko or new cards in general of which oko is is the most recent one they're going to go back to playing the most powerful things and not think about well this is an x1 there's something wrong with that um, so when people fight Oko, they X1s may be part of the strategy. They Let's say hypothetically, and I'm not saying this is accurate, but let's say Oko gets very popular, and all of a sudden going wide with a young Pyromancer and firing off an army of a bunch of little dudes very quickly is an effective way of going around and putting some pressure on Oko. Well, that would be an example of a thought process that is immediately punished by Renin 6, 
And you can probably draw up some other similar situations as well. So that's really more of my point. I'd say it's more of a macro level point than directly attacking the card Oko and more of that just in general with a huge card pool format uh, of in which we are also getting a lot of new cards. You, you can't always be combating Rin and Six as the, uh, the number one threat as the format is constantly evolving. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. I don't know. This whole like road rotation sort of thing, just I like to call it the dredge effect, if that makes sense. Um, is, I don't know if this, this isn't exactly uh, what you're talking about, but I guess maybe it pertains more to the stifle thing, but the dredge effect is like, all right, dredge wins a tournament. Then everybody has a sideboard for it. Years go by. Everybody cuts their sideboard cards for Dredge because it hasn't performed. And then Dredge wins another tournament. Rinse and repeat. So I wonder if that's, like, for Stifle, I guess it makes sense. Maybe for uh, for, for the Ren and Six effect, you, you could sort of say that, like, you know, all right, now, Ren and Six is bad, so I'm not going to worry about, you know, my X one's dying to it. And then Ren and Six becomes good because everyone starts playing um, X ones again. So I don't know. That, that That's really good speculation. Yeah, that's really good speculation. So I think it's important to point out that you're saying everyone. When you go to legacy events, the people playing the trendiest things are usually the people deep in uh, day two. And during day one, you're not going to face people that are playing, you know, uh, this because it's hot right now or the level that you're describing on Rog. A lot of people are just going to play the deck that they want or the strategy that they want. And I think that it's important to point that out because we get a little too far into the weeds sometimes. And I think this is actually one of those scenarios because it's not like people are just going to stop playing Ren and six. The numbers will go down, but they'll never just go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That just means legacy is a wide format. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Grounding, grounding that in reality is also pretty helpful. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so we still have to do our intro giveaway. Oh, shit. Yeah, good job remembering, Anurag. I don't... Not gonna lie. These are the sort of things I rely on you for, Dad, so... Uh, <laughs> You're grounded. Uh-oh. So how do we do this? All right, chat. Uh, in the chat, you're going to type in giveaway. Just spam it, and Anurag will select it. No, no, no. The word is intro. Type intro. Intro. Yeah. If you type intro, oh, oh, we're... fuck, fuck, bright, you've done it. Okay, all right. If you type cardboard live, you get ten entries. You get what? I don't know how to program that. Oh no, Car- it's already programmed into the cardboard live bot. All right, so so Phil, um, just, you're gonna have to like crop this part out to make it so that like the listeners don't have to listen. But in the meantime, I'm gonna teach you guys. Actually, I don't know how long I. How do I? How do I stop this? <laughs> I love people typing in cardboard live. I, I get trolled the fuck out by chat. I love you guys. You guys are you guys are awesome. You know I've met so many people in my chat in person. It's nice. I have that like nice connection with my my uh, my viewers. I have an ethical question for Hit you. Hit me. Do you tell them where you live, or is that like information that you generally keep secret? Um, Santiago. Yeah, well, nah, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess. No. Uh, I, yeah, they, they know I live in, in California, in San Diego. I mean, ideally, I don't give them my zip code, but like, yeah, yeah. 62103. So X2103, exactly. And uh, yeah, outside of that, I got nothing else. Um, do you guys have anything else? Well, that's all, folks.
make Phil do the dirty work. I didn't say that. This part's getting edited out.